young farm goat. What's up? How's it going? It's going good. Just drinking water. Nice. Sorry I'm late. Yeah. It was a little podcast related though, so that's good. Oh, that's good. I refused to walk away from the episode I was watching, and, and it was hurting like every minute. I was going, oh, the time tick ticks away. Uh. <laughs> I see. And, uh, I, I see. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's okay to miss the podcast if you're watching movies or TV. That's not Perfect. even me joking. <laughs> That's serious. Well, it's just so. like we started the episode, and I was, like, I was looking at the time, and then I had yeah. to like take care of my uh, like my dish, it's like mid episode, and it shaved off like or it added just enough time to <laughs> to, to put it like right to the wire. So it's all good though. Hell yeah! Uh, Hell yeah! It's okay. I'm usually late, so it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. I feel like it's it's it, is it supposed to rain right now. It looks like it's gonna rain. It really does. Yeah, it's not uh, it's quite as sunny as it was like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's always fun. Super. More rain. Just what we need yeah. here in Michigan. Well, boy. I feel like honestly, like out of everywhere, we, I'll take the rain right now. It seems like the rest of the world's like dying. True. True. Like that. the ocean's on fire. California's on um, yeah. fire. Speaking of rain, though, it had softened up the ground so much in this region. So the other day, yeah. I was on a, on my way to a mutual friend's house. Yeah, there's only two ways in, and I was like one turn away from being in their driveway, and there was no shit like the biggest fucking oak tree I've ever seen in the road. Just Jesus, there. Yeah, that and, is, and yeah, that just happened. So I had to go the other way. Yeah, it doesn't help that like construction in michigan right now is fucking garbage welcome to the podcast where we talk about really regional things that no (laughs) one can relate to anybody else out there hate road construction if you're from michigan you know our roads suck they always will suck because Uh, i don't know why our mantra it is don't fix the roads our current governor literally ran on fixing the roads um yeah all right well let's that's the Michigan corner, podcast. everyone. This is a movie <laughs> podcast. Uh, okay, what's a good Michigan movie? Uh, Evil Dead? That's not set in Michigan. Yeah. Fuck. That's um, in Tennessee. Escanaba in the Moonlight. You starring got... Jeff Daniels and Ray Romano. It is so funny. Check it out. It's I mean, funny. yeah, really, Jeff Daniels is a lot of... Jeff Daniels is from Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, Gross Point Blank? Is that actually... That makes sense. Why I'm pretty sure it's like set in Gross Point, which is Detroit. Interesting. Four Brothers takes place in Detroit. Yeah, all right. We now have to look up Michigan movies. Transformers was sh- many of the scenes in Transformers were shot in Michigan. Eight they Mile doesn't take place here though. Eight Mile. <laughs> the new Red Dawn for some reason. Why uh, in the world would people want to invade here? Yeah, like, just, of all the places in the United States, just, like, why here? <laughs> let's just invade Michigan when you're, yeah, not on the coast, literally in the center of the United States. Ugh. RoboCop? It's because they know we don't have, like, a, a continental Navy, right, that patrols, Navy. like, the, the lakes. The Great Lakes yeah, don't have a navy it. to patrol them. I feel like we do for some stupid reason. Um, <laughs> RoboCop, yes, RoboCop, one of the greatest films of all time. I kind of forget about that one. That one is a uh, Detroit. We actually have a statue of RoboCop in Detroit. That's how much. It's a real thing. It's a real Philly thing. has Rocky. We have RoboCop. 
Hell yeah. The Crow? What? I didn't know The Crow was... I guess I haven't seen The Crow in a very long time. I didn't even know that. Yep, gross point, Blake. I was right. That makes sense. I mean, it is a place in this state. Oh, this one's counting <laughs> uh, Beverly Hills Cop. That okay, get... part of it is in Detroit. I That's get that. That's because Eddie Murphy is from... Yeah, Eddie Murphy's character is from Detroit. Axel Foley. Yeah, um, it follows. Yeah, okay, it follows is like a really mm-hmm. good horror movie. That one is. So oh, true. don't don't speak. Is that don't what it's breathe. called? Is, don't breathe. Yeah, that one's getting a sequel. We'll talk about that. Yeah, um, yeah, perfect segue. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Welcome in everyone to <laughs> ruining movies. Surprisingly, surprisingly, a podcast not about Michigan, but a podcast yeah. about movies. Uh, and if you're new to ruining movies, uh, here your host, me, Zach, him, Shane, talk Hi, about. Yeah, that's him. Talk about the movie uh, of the week, and uh, with the help of you, wonderful audience, we ruined that movie by remaking it, making it a prequel or a sequel, and in the genre of your choice, you guys all vote on that in our Discord. This week, we're doing 2001 A Space Odyssey, but before we get into dissecting that little-known sci-fi flick, let's talk about what we've been watching. Uh, This goes out to you, Chant. This goes out to you, Shane. What have you been watching? What have you been enjoying? What have you been doing? So I'll start off with the easy one. Um, yeah, the the one, reason yeah. I was late to this podcast was because I refused to walk away from this episode of uh, Black Summer, which I mentioned on the last podcast. Yeah, yeah, you were talking I'm about the like, last podcast. Yeah, I've been making my way through the second season, um, but, you know, it's been a busy couple weeks, as most of you know. For sure. <laughs> we're recording yeah. this two days after the 4th of July, so you know yeah. it's been busy. Um but we've been making our way Day? through it, and it's been great. No, I did not watch Independence I didn't Day. Either. Although I did watch the new Independence Day, starring Chris Pratt, um, the what? the Tomorrow War. Isn't that like movie like this is supposed to be like incredibly bad? Whoa. Um, I don't know what the general consensus was, but I mean, it wasn't incredibly good. I think the general consensus is like a two out of ten. Whoa. I mean, yeah. I know that the commercial said that Chris Pratt was like an action hero excellence or something, and like I can agree with that. He's, I don't know. He's pretty much good wherever he goes, though. I like Chris Pratt. Um, that, that's the crazy thing, right? They had like a, a pretty solid cast. Like J.K. Yeah. Simmons was in it, which was yeah. kind of hilarious. I saw him, and I was like, "Oh shit! I haven't seen you in two weeks." Not really. <laughs> um, but I, I, uh, I was enjoying it. And uh, it's just kind of it's there's a lot of places that it falls apart <laughs> and, it, and it's hard to just like turn my brain off when I'm when like every time someone says something, I'm asking a question I'm like, wait yeah. a second, what that doesn't hold on what and then and that happened a lot. And I don't know, the action scenes were kind of cool. There was lots of explosions. If I didn't know it was directed by someone else. I would have thought it was directed by Michael Bay. Let's see, who did it? So, okay, maybe the general consensus is like a 50%. Maybe it's just my circles who've been ragging on it. It's <laughs> it's not the worst movie I've ever seen, but okay, it's also not the best movie I've ever seen. Directed by Chris McKay, who made the Lego Batman movie, which I just spoke very highly oh, of. highly of, yeah, yeah, yeah. What the? Um, I don't know... And if it's actually going to be, like, the best m- movie of the summer, like they're claiming it's going to be. I have um, fucking claims that for Especially since, you know, 
I don't remember when it comes out, but we know like the Green Knight is on the horizon and things mm-hmm. like that. So I don't know if it's actually going to hold up with that title, but oh, it's it was not okay. It's not. It, it was okay. okay. I would give it. Well, I would. Good. You said that the general consensus is about fifty-fifty. Yeah, I'd yeah, give it it's like about like five. fifty for sitting around fifty percent on Metacritic and uh, Rotten Tomatoes. I'd give it like a five out of ten. Maybe maybe okay. a six if I'm being real generous to so Chris like... Pratt in the way that I was generous to Dave Bautista for Army of the Dead. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So it's like a generic uh, blockbuster. Yeah, I would, that's it. a perfect way to sum it up. Grab some popcorn, turn your brain off. Don't ask too many questions. For sure. Nice. All right. Um, is that? Uh, oh, there's the rain. Uh, it's not. That's not all that I watched. I watched 2001: A Space Odyssey. Obviously, I right. know there's other stuff, but those are like the two Did you watch main the ones. The what? The sequel to 2001. That's a thing. Yeah, it's a 2000. I know that there was a book. A space odyssey. The no, fuck? it's uh, 2010, the year we made contact. Um, huh. I wish you had mentioned that like any time before today. I mean, you don't have to watch it. It's not worth anything. I mean, it's. I would say it's probably better than most, but it's still. Huh. Interesting. It's I didn't even know that existed. I didn't really look into too much. I just kind of soaked in the movie, and and that was that. It's like the Doctor Sleep to The Shining. Like I heard Doc. Well, I heard Doctor Sleep was actually good. Doctor like, Sleep was sweet. I like that. It movie just it will never be two thousand and one. So like, why? Why make right, it? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I will say there's something on my list that I didn't get to see that I'm genuinely disappointed about. I wanted to start. I wanted to watch the first. Uh, movie of Fear Street. This oh week. my god, it was so good. Was it? I don't I, spoil it. I'm so I'm excited. To. I'm so pumped about it. And like yeah. I said, like as everybody knows, it's been kind of a hectic week this week. So I just haven't had it's the chance to yeah. to sit down and watch it. But maybe tomorrow. I think I'm gonna I, do it tomorrow. I would recommend it. Honestly, um, very so excited. That is one of the things I watched was uh, Fear Street Part One. Uh, I went into it kind of just being like, okay, whatever. It's like an hour and a half. Uh, it's the bad. It's really pumped. Bad. Out. Yeah. Um. But it's what came out. Pre- it was pretty damn good. Uh, I'm a big fan of slashers. I mean, I'm even wearing my uh, Scream Two shirt right now. Nice. I'm um, wearing my Michigan State shirt. Nice. I didn't go to Michigan State. But Matthew Lillard did, I think. That's why I'm wearing the shirt to yeah. match you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Scream. Um. But so, like, I I like slashers, and uh, this movie really seemed to be pulling from the like '90s slashers because it was set in the '90s. Okay, um, cool. I like that. More blood and gore than I thought they were gonna do with an R.L. Stein film, which is uh, a plus for me. Uh, you cool. need blood and gore for slasher flicks. Um, I think it did a really good job. I'm really excited for part two, that comes out Friday. Awesome. I, I'm. I definitely want to make a point of it to check that out over the next few days before the next one comes out because I'd like to watch that as well. Yeah, the next one is uh, in the <laughs> 80s. So the first one, they really seem to play off like uh, the newer slashers, like 2000s and 90s, like I said. Felt very, uh, a lot of homages to Scream in particular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I'm not going to, well, this isn't even a spoiler, but very similar start to the first Fear Street with this very similar start to Scream. Nice. Um, okay. Um, I will say, since I was just talking about the trailer, kind of getting me pumped up. Yeah. When we had talked about this, like our preliminary conversation before I ever watched the trailer, um, as you were like describing it to me, we were talking about it. I, I was, I, the 1660s part was like not 
zinging out to me. You know, yeah, I wasn't like, oh, wow, yeah. that sounds so amazing. But then I watched the trailer and honestly, like, I don't I'm hyped for the whole thing. But I it, think I'm, yeah. I'm like way more excited for the old timey stuff. It looks really, really crazy. Yeah. So uh, like how I talked about that, it's a pretty good slasher. It's also a pretty good mystery. Um, the first one definitely leaves you wanting to like it's part of the reason why I can't wait for Friday to watch the second part is because the first part Lay, leads with a mystery. I think it can stand alone as a good horror film. Um, I mean, the ending kind of makes it kind of weird if you were going to do a standalone thing. But I think, for the most part, it's like a standalone film. It was pretty okay. Um, but it leading into next week, where we get, go back 10 years back to learn a little bit more about the mystery, I'm excited. Then we go back like 200 years. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, it's just... It, it's really ringing to me in a different way after I watched the most recent trailer yeah um i'm excited to dig into it uh, you can take it away from here because that was a perfect segue into yeah definitely so anything else on the list so yeah i watched up here street part one like i just said i liked it um yesterday well two days ago on july 4th i watched the shining because it's the 100th 100th anniversary of the party in the shining on july 4th oh, nice. for those who don't know that's the shining is also like my favorite horror film all the time of all time um uh, so I watched that movie. I watched Solaris, which is, um, a Soviet, um, people call it a reaction to 2001 A Space Odyssey. I've seen it a couple times, but I wanted to rewatch it after watching 2001. Um, I, I, I recommend it. Um, it came out four years after 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's less about like the grand scheme of things. Like 2001 is very much a movie about humanity and space. Uh, Solaris is more about individuals and space and the psyche of it it's really good it's in russian it's about three hours long recommend it um, was there not a remake with like george clooney i think there is and it's like uh there was a remake there was a remake of it um was clooney in it let's see 2002 uh, okay. uh by steven Soderbergh. yep george clooney Hell yeah. Oh, my brain just works in the fucking most mysterious ways sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't even know how they remade it, uh, because the first Solaris uh, is, was made by uh, Andrei Tarkovsky, which is uh, one of the Soviet Union's greatest filmmakers, probably equivalent to Stanley Kubrick. Um, that's that, that's kind of wild. That's kind of like remaking 2001 A Space Odyssey. Interesting. That's, I haven't seen it. It got weird. a 6.2, so I guess it's not horrible, but that's weird. I don't, I don't even know. Like, Solaris, huh. once you watch it, is such a, like... Like, if you watch 2001, if anyone watches 2001 and thinks it's, like, really long and boring and just, like, too full of itself, like, you would hate Solaris. Because it's even... It's all those things, like, times five. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so I watched... So, yeah, uh, Fear Street, Shining... I have to interject quickly. Yeah. I have to put this out there. Yeah. Uh, uh, disclaimer: I'm I might lose power. <laughs> oh no! All right. Well, disclaimer like is like two weeks. Outside. <laughs> disclaimer is two weeks ago uh, because storms are ravaging the Midwest. Uh, if we, the podcast stops, um, we've my been bad. abducted by aliens. <laughs> the monolith has come. We've touched it, and we're gone. We're now space oh, babies. And I'm in. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's a good disclaimer, because if you do, I'm probably going to lose it also, so, uh, fun. Um, yeah. so yeah, yeah I watched, oh, you're good, I, so I watched a lot of good auteur, auteur films, uh, 2001, The Shining, 
and Solaris. Um, and then when I've not been watching those, I've been watching Supernatural. What's a tour? A tour. It's like um, high art. Okay, cool. Like, I learned so many new things on this podcast. Yeah, I love it. Uh, like auteur, like let me find the actual definition. Um, well, like when you say that word next to those specific things, I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, so, um, an auteur, yeah, an auteur is a like how I used it, like auteur filmmaking. It's usually described as filmmakers, auteur filmmakers. Like Stanley Kubrick is an auteur filmmaker. Uh, Andrei okay. Andre Tarkovsky is also an auteur filmmaker. And the definition is an auteur is an artist uh, who applies a highly centralized and subjective control to many aspects of a collaborative creative work. In other words, a person equivalent to an author or a novel of, or a play. So it's like a filmmaker that is so confident in their filmmaking that they control every aspect of it to a T and usually get really highly artistic films from it. Okay. Um, Got it. Not to be confused with avant-garde, another vocabulary word that we've learned on this podcast. Yes, avant-garde is uh, <laughs> not the way you... You could describe a filmmaker as avant-garde, but avant-garde is like a... It's a movement in art. It's um, Yeah. It's a style of art and filmmaking. I only um, said it because it's just one of the things I remember specifically learning. About hell yeah, edutainment, everyone. Exactly. That's why you're here, to be edutated. Edutated. Uh, anyway, but I've been watching Supernatural, which I don't think is uh, auteur. Um, or probably not. Or... It is, it is, uh, so I, this is my second time watching Supernatural. Not like all the way through. Um, a couple years ago, I watched the first season of Supernatural, and I could never get past the stupid film grain they put on their show. Like, I get it. Like, they're doing, like, working class uh, X-Files like yeah and i'm cool with that i just could never get past it but i finally got past it i'm on season five right now and they've jumped the shark and i've, I've been enjoying it jump the shark yeah jump the shark is uh when you kind of just go off the rails with it um, okay perfect yeah because I, I i think i mentioned this the last time we talked about supernatural yeah. i watched like the first probably like half a dozen seasons years and years ago and i just took like a like a six-year hiatus yeah, and then I came back and started watching it, and like the tail end of my time was like way, way more over the top than I remember the beginning part being. Oh yeah, it's where it I'm cool. at right now. It's like before it was like they're hunting werewolves, like every other episode. Right now, there's like a war between angels and devils, and they're trying to find God. So nice. it's hell yeah. They've really jumped the shark at this point. Which um, for those who don't know, jump the shark is uh. Another TV trope, TV saying, movie saying, um, it's based off of uh, Happy Days when Fonzie jumped over a literal shark. Um, people say TV shows and content jump a shark when they kind of lose the basis of reality for their TV show and kind of go crazy. So, like, Community kind of jumped the shark when they did the weird, uh, I think, season four or something where it got weird, really strange, even though it was strange before. But yeah, uh, sharp. more stuff to learn. Yeah, here we are. More terms. Need to keep yeah. a list of vocab list. You should quiz me in a few weeks. Yeah, well, we'll have our first quiz soon. Um, but other than that, that's all I've been really watching. I've been uh, grinding through Supernatural. God, excuse me. Grinding through Supernatural. I mean, how um, you really feel. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, which has been good. I like, a, I like me a 
Monster of the Week show, and Supernatural is scratching that itch. And there's only ten more seasons of it, so I'll be good for a bit. <laughs> yeah, I will say when I was DMing a lot of D and D, I would that Supernatural kind of took over my like nighttime TV spot. Nice, nice. Um, just to like keep me in that zone of like having a monster to think about often. Yeah, I mean it's 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 good. I mean I love. Those are my kind of like bread and butter go to shows when I need something to watch at night or when I'm working on something mm-hmm. is like those uh, procedural um, supernatural shows. Like I just got through all of Lucifer, which feels in the same vein. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually wa- do a watch through of Buffy and Angel like every couple of years. I've seen nice. X Files more times than I can count. <laughs> so it's just like Supernatural was just is the next step. I guess Supernatural's there. Too. Like I said, it's like it's working class X Files, which I I, yeah. I like it. I dig it. Um, I will have to say they do really push that sometimes with Dean, where it's like he's just like listening to like Leonard Skinner and drinking <laughs> and driving, and it's like okay, I get it, but I'm cool with it. Dean is hilarious, and he's he about to be in uh, the boys. I'm a I'm a Sam Stan. Uh, yeah. yeah, he was in like Superman or some shit. Yeah, I, I'm. I like. I like both of them. I like Sam and Dean, but uh, they they have good chemistry. I think they jive well together. They're a decent pair for. You'd hope for what's so. Going on in they have fifteen show. seasons. Yeah, yeah, it works. I mean, can you think of a show with uh, two people that went for a really long time that didn't have chemistry? No, probably if I thought hard enough, but no. There's probably like huh. some really shitty show that like there is some weird like poor chemistry. <laughs> The um, view. The view. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, but that's like seven of them. I don't know how many people are on the view. Does it keep expanding? Is it like an evolutionary thing? Like every year they add. That's how they need to do the view. Every year the view is on, they need to add someone new to it. Add someone to it. More views, please. Exactly. Um, so it could start off with like four, but now like what? It's like probably on like season like ten or fifteen. Just like I twenty people. When I was a kid. It was like Barbara Walters or something, or Joan Rivers. And then later on in my life, it was Rosie O'Donnell and like Oprah. And, and now uh, it's like the the girl from Sister Sister. <laughs> and it has um, uh, what's her face? Uh, Ozzy's wife. Sharon. 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 Back in yeah. the egg, Sharon. <laughs> Let's see how many. How long? So the view has been going on. Since 1997. So if we did our rules of adding a new member every year, we would be sitting at around... 24 new members? 28 people around the table. That is what The View needs to stay fresh. 28 people just yelling at each other. I'd watch that. I don't even know what they talk about, but I'd watch that. Their views... Their views. I need 28 <laughs> views. It doesn't matter. I don't care about four views. I want 28 people yelling about their views. And I want to hear them all at the same time. Yeah, Just I don't want them. Want... into my brain. Exactly. I don't want them to talk over, like, stop talking when someone else starts talking. I just want them to like, keep talking and just, boom. The view. <sighs> well, I think that's all I've been watching. The view. I, I, I like, actually can't remember. <laughs> it's been, uh... It's only been two weeks, but why does it feel like I've watched more? 
That's what I was thinking too, but the, those were just like the things that stood out in my mind. I'm like opening up Netflix to see if I was watched anything there's else. There's nothing like too prominent, I don't think, that I've really checked out. I want to watch Evil, but like I haven't watched that yet. That's just something I yeah, want to watch. I heard that was good. Yeah, I uh, heard that's actually really good. It has uh, the guy who played out Luke Cage in it. Yep, yep. And he is uh, he's solid. Solid yeah, I I liked Luke Cage. I uh, know some people didn't, but I liked it. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's move on and talk about some movie news. Um, surprisingly, we don't have too much exciting movie news. We'll also talk about Loki for anyone who is interested in knowing our thoughts on Loki episode three and four. We will talk about that after we get through this area. Uh, get through this next part. Um, but the first trailer I want to talk about, and really the only trailer. Well, there's two trailers we're gonna talk about. Uh, the other one's television. The first uh, movie trailer I want to talk about, I wrote, I wrote on our list, Ope, we just hijacked a plane, but there are vampires aboard. Uh, did you see the trailer I sent you for Blood Red Sky? So, did you send it to me? Uh, it's in the, well, it's in the link. It's in the, our, our show notes. Oh, oh, no. Okay. Uh, I'm going to post this in uh, our chats for... Uh... Oh, it looks scary. Okay, yeah. So I'll That's just a scary go, thumbnail. Yeah, I'll give a play-by-play on what this uh, trailer is about because it really seemed interesting to me in a way that looks really fucking funny. Um, so it is a film, I think it's in French or Italian, um, that is about a plane being hijacked. Um, the hijackers are taking the plane. You, we don't really know why they're taking the plane. Uh, but the first half of the trailer is like, oh no, hijackers on a plane. And then uh, one of the kids, like... There's, like, the main characters seem to be a mother and a son or a daughter. I can't remember. Ch- a child, if you will. Um, it's her son. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I, watched it, I watched this, like, a week ago. Um, so she gets it taken away. Then she, like, gets put on the back, and she's, like, shot. And then she turns into a vampire. <laughs> and then it's, the, like, vampire versus hijackers. And I just think that's the craziest concept for a film. Wow. Yeah. Right, it's called Blood Red Sky. Way. Um, I have Jack no idea. If it, <laughs> yeah, I I have no idea if it will be good at all. She must embrace the night. That's, uh, not, that's not what it says. I'm cheesing, but it did say no, no. to protect her son. Yeah, let, here I'll read the I'll read the description right now. Nadia and her ten year old son are on an overnight flight from Germany to New York when a group of terrorists violently take control of the plane and threaten the lives of the passengers. Suddenly, Nadja faces an impossible choice. Should she reveal her dark side and the inner monster she has kept hidden from her son for years in order to save him, the hunters become the hunted in this action horror from director Peter Thorth, Thorworth. Thor, Thorworth? Peter Thorworth. <laughs> Starring Paul Baumeister and Dominic Purcell. Okay, so it's a German movie. I don't know how to say any of these names. Dude, okay, so I gotta say, mm-hmm. there has been a ton of uh we're we're in america so foreign film releases on netflix yeah throughout the last like i don't know it's probably escalated dramatically within the last like five or six years um and some of them have been absolute bangers like this idea sounds insane but these effects look fucking awesome no it does look pretty sweet i i will say that it does like well, I'm just like sweet. checking it out with no volume or anything. It, it it has a really wild look to it, and you know, like I said, the plot sounds a little crazy, but I'm I'm cool with it. I'm along for the ride. I've seen some some very interesting stuff on Netflix come out of uh, 
a lot of other nations. Yeah, I'm, and glad actually, that, I'm glad that Netflix extended their reach a little bit in that way. Yeah, and to go off that, we can actually jump ahead to something I was going to talk about uh, later on in the show uh, in television, but this goes f- towards movies too. Um, so yeah, that was Blood Red Sky for what we just talked about. If that interests you, go check out the trailer. It does seem kind of interesting, kind of cool. I'll probably watch, end up watching it because it seems um, kind of bananas. Um, but anyway, uh, something I wanted to talk about was, uh, Netflix and Amazon, according now to the French government, must invest, invest 25% of French revenues into local content, which I think is pretty good. I, yeah, that sounds good. I know Canada's, I don't, yeah, I know Canada's trying to do a similar thing. I, that's the thing on paper, like ideally I think this should be a thing. I really hope Netflix and Amazon don't just like say, fuck you and leave. Right. I I think we need more places to really hold Netflix and Amazon to this standard because like you said, like foreign films, like we don't really get like the filmmaking and like streaming has become very um Americanized and when I when I say that I mean very Hollywood. Um yeah. it's just always been that. Hollywood has always been the center of entertainment for a very long time. Um it just has been, which has really made the mark. I mean, if you have one thing doing very well, if you have Hollywood really sh- pushing forward what makes sense and like, well, not what makes sense, but like what is good and everyone kind of just follows Hollywood, you kind of get the stale market, the stale ideation uh, through these movies. But if you kind of have to make these streaming services invest in the places that they're, they're making a lot of money there, they should have to invest into the local culture there we can start getting better films from around the world that aren't just all like trying to follow the latest trend in Hollywood. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's a good gateway to like get more creative stuff out there. And um, like I said, you know, it all seems good on paper. I don't know the ins and outs of whatever deals are trying to be made, but you know, yeah, like you said, I hope that nobody backs out of anything. I think that this could be a good deal for everybody because, uh, like I said, I've watched a ton of foreign media on Netflix, way more than I ever thought that I would. Um, exactly. And I mean, and if it, I'm happy to do so. Definitely. And if anything, we've learned from this podcast alone where we're jumping from um, like Hollywood films one week to Korean films the next week to mm-hmm. French films to Italian films. Um, we found it's like it's better to watch it's better to look at films from all around the world because each of them have their unique view and each of them kind of have their own thing going on that is really great so yeah hopefully it works out i know like i said i know canada is trying to do the same thing i would really love to see more countries try to do this too like i would love for korea to do this because then we could get more korean horror out of there or japan or anything like that so hopefully it works out in the end i know france has had a very long history of really protecting their culture and their arts. I mean, it makes sense. You think of France, you think of arts. Right. Um, it's because they've defended and protected their culture, their art culture for a very long time. So hopefully well, it turns out well for them. Yeah. Good for them for putting their foot down or whatever. And hopefully, yeah. like you said, hopefully it all goes well. Yeah. Um, we're actually going to be watching a French film next week, but I'll get into that when we get into 2001. Nice. Um, so going from something very passionate about, films from all over to be hopefully being really good uh we're gonna talk about the new space jam a little bit um okay. I, oh god uh that let's see is this i, don't <laughs> no, I just want to read the article the, the article title 
Um, in Space Jam, a new legacy when Porky Pig raps, the world weeps. Damn. <laughs> yeah, so, um, this article, which I will post in chat, um, if anyone wants to read it, um, is pretty much going over this new scene that was, uh, currently not leaked, it was used for promotional purposes, um, that is, uh, Porky Pig, called the Notorious P.I.G., um, they're totally 100% riffing off 8 Mile in this scene, um, and Porky Pig lays down, lays it down. Um, this movie is going to be so weird. It's gonna be so weird, so strange. I, uh... The more I see about it, the more I see, like, there's now, like, a Matrix part of it, where, like, they go into, like, the Matrix movie, um... I don't know, man. I don't know. It's coming out on July 16th on HBO Max. I'm probably gonna watch it, just to see what it is. But, like, I, I feel... It's it's just so many words. Like, it's just so many. Like honestly, how they created this movie, I think, is they just had like um one of those bingo ball things where they, like you're just like twisting it and like they're pulling out, pulling out balls and it has like content on it. It's like Matrix, Porky Pig, Eight Mile. It's like boom, section of the movie. So is Black Widow out or what? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we can move on. Um, I don't know. Is Black Widow out? I feel like we're in Schrodinger's Black Widow. Is it out? I don't know. That's a serious question. Is it out? No. No, it's not. not. On Di- well, yes. No. It drops like July 9th, I think, in theaters. Okay. Um, But then with Disney Plus premiere, you can get it i think on that day otherwise it'll be on disney plus within like x amount of days no i'll just wait for it to go on disney plus then it could be like a month or two just a heads up like i don't want anyone to think that when i said that it's going to be like the day after it releases that's probably not the case that's why disney plus premiere is a thing they want you to pay for it so you know hold out pay for it to watch it at home or go to a movie theater on july 9th and you should be able to consume that media yeah, Which I um I'm still at like a mo- very moderate level of excitement for this. Like it's I'm w- I am way more fucking excited for the finale of Loki than I am the drop of Black Widow. Yeah, I um I have no interest in seeing the Black Widow movie. I'll see it, but like I'm just not that hype about it. I'm probably I I probably won't pay like a movie theater to see it. I'll probably just wait mm-hmm. for it to drop in September. No, I'm gonna watch it on Disney Plus. That's my absolute plan right there. I'm just gonna watch it on Disney Plus. Yeah, I don't um, I think and... honestly if all the Disney if all the Marvel movies are gonna just start getting released like a couple months after on uh Yeah Disney Plus, I might just do that. Like yeah, so obviously for, support like, your local theaters, but I don't care to really yeah. pay what like twenty dollars to see the next Marvel right film. now. I'm just not in a position to where I feel comfortable going at to a movie theater yet. So uh, yeah. I'm cool with what they're doing. Eventually, maybe with like the big drops, you know, like the new Avengers movie whenever that comes out or whatever, like that'd be cool to see on a big screen. But like beyond yeah. that, like this new Black Widow movie, I'm sure it would look sweet on a black on or on a big screen, but I'm just probably going to watch it at home. And I'm mainly watching it so that I can get an introduction to 
I think her name's Yelena Belova. And the new Black Widow. Yeah, White Widow. And yeah. Taskmaster, because I assume that they will be showing up again in the next phase of Marvel and stuff. Yeah, definitely. That's like the main reason I want to consume the media. It's not because I'm like real jazzed about it. It's just so that I can have that introduction to those characters. Right. I I don't know if this is if you feel the same about this, um, but like recently, like I feel like a lot, I went and saw all like the last Marvel movies in theaters because I was like, Oh, if I miss this, I'm going to get spoiled and I don't want to know what's coming ahead. So I need to go see it. I just don't feel that anymore. I guess I don't know what they're building up to. So I was like, I don't cool. Yeah. I mean, I would be a little tilted if something got spoiled for me, but I'm not, gonna rush and go see things to avoid that and i'm not gonna in that same vein i'm not gonna like stay off my instagram or something to avoid being spoiled either like at one point it was like i can't go on social media like i'll have this movie spoiled for me until i go see the movie like i'm not even using my cell phone or my computer i'm like putting things in discord like please no one talk about endgame (laughs) yeah exactly um and for this, know. it's like, if someone was just like, holy crap, the end of Black Widow was this and this, and our Discord, I would just be like, whatever. I just feel like, cool. <laughs> well, the thing is, in our Discord, I think me and you are the only ones who's going to be, who are going True. to be seeing it. <laughs> so if anyone did that, I'll be like, wait, what the fuck? Holy crap. You I didn't even see anything we did. This one. <laughs> yeah, what? Get out of here. <laughs> um, oh, man. But, but yeah, yeah I, it's tough for me, because, like, I want to be excited about this stuff, but... Um, I think until we get through Loki, yeah. like Loki's what I'm excited for right now, and I think that between Loki and like the actual movies of the stage that are coming out, yeah, I'm gonna be kind of in this phase, right? Because I don't even consider this Black Widow movie to be totally part of this phase. It seems like it's mostly gonna be about Natasha. And if it is, that's right, cool, I guess. But it's kind of removed. But there's also the chance that it's mostly about White Widow, which puts it in this phase, I guess. Yeah. My point is, Loki's what I'm excited about. The next stuff I'm excited about is, like... Uh, is it called Shang-Chi? Uh, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. Yeah, like, yeah. that's probably the next thing I'm, like, the most hype about. But uh, once Loki's over, I feel like I'm probably going to feel like I'm chewing on an old piece of gum. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like looking at uh all the all the summer releases to see like it, because it's a, much as it sucks. I don't have any really interest in going and seeing any of these films in theaters. I just I'm kind of like really like disappointed with theaters right now. Two of my favorite independent theaters from this area both went out of business during the pandemic, and I've That's never tough. really it's it's kind of like concert venues too. Like I don't really want to go to big concerts. I kind right. of always want to go see smaller shows, and it's kind of like the same with that. I don't really, I, I f- honestly feel uncomfortable in a packed theater of like a hundred mm-hmm. people. I just, it, people yeah. are loud, they're in, like, they make noise. I just feel uncomfortable in it. So I've always kind of fell back to going and seeing uh, films that like the, your local art house films or local independent films, um, uh, your indie theaters. And uh, both of them that I went to are both gone now. Um, yeah, so I'm like, look, tough, yeah, it is. So it's like, I, I, I really have no interest in going to like imagine 
or anything. Just yeah, yeah. I would a hundred percent rather like go see a show at a local bar than go down to Detroit and see it in a huge arena. Exactly, exactly. Um, um so I, like, I feel that <clears throat> the Green Knight is coming out on July thirtieth. I don't even I know if like our local theater. big theaters are going to even have that. Right. I want to watch sucks. that on like a projector screen. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll bust out my projector. We can have a movie night. Hell yeah. Uh, I do have a projector screen and a bunch of projectors. We could do that, actually. Um, Hello, Tevisar. Tevisar thinks they should have ended with Endgame. Um, I agree. I'm, I know a lot of people are on the, the same page as that. It's in the name! You're right. It is. It's written right there. Um, but, you know, I... I see from the business side of things why they've continued to do this. It's never going to die. I yeah, mean, we've, we've, like, talked, we've talked about that. It's like I, I think, we were blue in the face. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about how like if they never came back after Endgame, I don't think my life would have changed. I don't think I'd be less excited, more excited. Uh, yeah, we got WandaVision, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Loki. But like even those three things, as much as I liked them, like if they never existed. Um, or we never got them, I don't think it would have changed what the Marvel already did. Yeah, I mean, th- that was the thing. It, it was, like, truly an event, and I don't... It's gonna take them another ten years to, like, get to that point again. Yeah. You know, and as of right now, like, I'm not nearly as excited for this next year as I was for, like, the first year of what became the mcu you know between like iron man and the incredible hulk i was like over the fucking moon excited ready for the rest of these superhero movies holy shit now it's like we get these shows and like they're cool i guess but like we buckle up folks (laughs) like you got nine more years of this shit yeah i mean on that note like shang chi like we found out like abomination was in the trailer Yep. If you would have told me that, like, five or six years ago, I would have been like, yeah, I would have freaked yeah. out. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, cool. Right, cool, I guess. That's going to be a lot of exposition. And what yeah. I really mean by that is that will be summed up in two sentences and never mentioned again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Let's talk about, let's move on to television, talk about something, uh, or someone who has been around forever who... um is no longer going to be around. That made it sound like they're dead. Conan O'Brien is not dead. Um, but Conan, Conan O'Brien had his last uh, last night of talk late night. Um, Again? But this one's like for real, for real. It wasn't like a... He didn't get kicked out by some shitty um, station this time. Is it for time. real, for real? Or is it like David Letterman for real? Like retired uh, from that and went and did another... Well, he's cool he has his podcast and stuff, I'm pretty sure. But like okay. he's done okay. with like late night talk show. Um, okay. He's doing his own thing right now. And I I do have to say, Conan O'Brien was always my favorite late night show person. I got nothing bad to say about Conan. He always I, uh, has consistently been able to make me laugh. Um, yeah. And, and I really, really am not a fan of, like, that type of show. I don't not, I do not like Eric talk Andre. shows. I, I, I yeah, like Eric Andre. I, show. I was going to say, the Eric Andre <laughs> show is the only show I like. That's a but, late night. In terms of those like late night interview style talk shows, never have really been a fan. I don't like the medium that Same. much. Same. But Conan has he's always just been a funny guy. And maybe that's because like 
I've enjoyed a lot of his like other things that he's done. Yeah, I mean, he wrote like, the he best had, I, uh, Simpsons episode of all time, the monorail episode. Definitely, I knew that. No, I didn't, but I knew that. Yeah. Um, he was a Simpsons was, writer. He also has a like a stand-up special. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. a few of them. The uh, stuff he does on YouTube is pretty great. Yeah, like he's always been more than just a a talk show host for me. Like he's made me laugh in a lot of different ways. Yeah. He's funny without getting political. That's true too. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't get too over the top with stuff like that. He kind of keeps it in. Yeah, in, I mean, there was where we keep it like in Hollywood and stuff, like talking. Yeah media yeah. he does his own thing he does he's like he does his own thing when all the other talk mm-hmm. show hosts are doing the same old bits over and over again just kind of like repeating after each other conan's always kind of just did his own thing which fucking rules mm-hmm. um speaking of conan uh i actually saw a commercial recently jay leno has a like a new game show or something coming out i don't care which is why i asked about what type of retirement we're talking about here with Conan? Like, is he just going to go to a beach forever? Because I'd still like to be seeing more of him and yeah. doing other stuff, even if it's him on a game show or him doing some other stuff. Like, in the the only reason I brought up Jay Leno is because that's what he did. You know, he stopped doing late night stuff and he went yeah. and made a car TV show. And when now he's got a game show and all this other like random stuff. I want that out of Conan. I'd rather see him do stuff that's that he enjoys. Like, I really like comedians and cars getting coffee with Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. Um, so stuff like that. I I enjoy out of people that are funny, funny people. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, he has a podcast. Uh, he, I think he's going to still be doing stuff on YouTube and things. So like, he's still going to be around, but like his, uh, late night show is no longer. Um, I want him to do what David Letterman did and just disappear for like four years and come back with like a huge red beard. Just an enormous yeah. red beard. I mean, I, I would like that too. Absolutely. <laughs> um, But hell yeah. So uh, good on you, Conan O'Brien. Yeah, good for you, man. Now I literally Shout out have... Conan O'Brien. Come on the podcast. Yeah, come Let's on the talk podcast. About you have a podcast, we have a podcast. Come talk about yeah. stuff on there. We'd love to collab. Um, we'll be on your podcast. You come on yeah. our podcast. Yeah, definitely. I don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, let's go forward um, to uh, some Lord of the Rings news uh, still in television. Um, so Lord of the Rings is still in this weird place. Uh, what I'm talking about is Lord of the Rings Amazon show uh, season one. Uh, they've been filming it for a bit, and we've been getting reports from actors not really knowing when the filming is going to be done. It's kind of like uh, what I wrote, Lord of the Rings series stuck in a Groundhog Day scenario. Um it's like it feels it sounds like no one really there knows how much longer they're going to be working on it for season one. Oh no we're just it's, filming shut up yeah it says <laughs> lord of the rings uh tv actor has no clue when season one ends filming we've been here a long time <laughs> um so with this budget they're obviously just gonna try to like film everything all at once <laughs> i guess um he also says uh it is a bit nebulous at this point They'll let us uh, go when they're done with us. Man. Yeah. Um, Good luck, fellas. Good luck, everybody on cast. Yeah, just stuck in New Zealand forever. Hopefully they're enjoying themselves. Yeah. You know, Um, I mean, I don't know what the point, like, what the, how they're (laughs) doing and everything, but I I hope they're having fun because it sounds like you might be in it for the long run. 
I mean, yeah. yeah it, honestly, it sounds like the 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 cast had to sign a multi-season commitment uh, deals and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think it's just kind of funny that they're like stuck in the uh, Groundhog Day scenario in New Zealand right now, mm-hmm. not really knowing when the filming is going to be done, but knowing that they are filming. Um, yeah, at one point, at some point, like your days must just blend together. Right, and you're pretty much in Middle Earth right at like when you're in New Zealand. So it's true. So you oh, really man. like how many people are going to come out of here thinking they're still in Lord of the Rings universe when they move back to England? When they go home, they're going to be like David when he goes past Jupiter. Like <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. So uh, I think uh, I think if I'm remembering correctly, and even this uh, article says uh, I think we're getting the first season in like 2022, so next year. But actually, if they haven't stopped filming yet, I don't even know if that's true. If, Maybe like, they're doing it like they did the movies, where they just film continuously until they're finished. Yeah, I don't. Well, I mean, Amazon is spending a billion dollars on it. Oh, That's not true, but I think it's close to that. Amazon, spend a billion dollars on me. Yeah, just give us money. <laughs> give the pot. Give our podcast, Jeffrey Bezos. Jeffrey Bezos, when you go to space, write me and Shane in your will. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Please. Yeah. Also, yeah. when did we start calling him Jeffrey? Like for forever, I've heard Jeff, and then in the last week, I've it's heard like Bo so Burnham. many people call him Jeffrey. It's because uh, Bo Burnham in his new special wrote two songs where he says Jeffrey Bezos, Jeffrey Bezos. <laughs> That's absolutely why I just realized that you're right. I've never called him Jeffrey Bezos before. Bo Burnham broke my mind. Forever, I've heard Jeff, but just in the last week, I've heard so many people call him Jeffrey. It's a hundred percent because of Bo Burnham. It's Big Daddy Bezos. It's Big Daddy Bezos. Yeah, before you go into space, Will us, please. Yeah, write us down at ruining movies. Yeah, <laughs> we'll figure out figure out the legality later. Um, Just connect us with your legal team. It'll be fine. Yeah, all right. Well, let's move on to the last piece of uh, uh, TV news we have before we talk about Loki's episode three and four, and that is Chainsaw Man. Did you okay. watch that trailer? If not, watch oh. it right now. This is the first anime we're talking about, I think. No, um, we talked about the Lord of the Rings anime. Oh, I guess so. This is the that and is we true. We talk about Cowboy Bebop like every episode. Yeah, that is true. We do talk about Cowboy Bebop a lot. No um, audio, just watching. For yeah. Uh, so anyway. Uh, Chainsaw Man is a new anime coming out. Uh, shout out to my brother for actually showing this to me. Um, the animation looks beautiful. Um, and it is a anime about a guy who gets, like, killed and, um, he comes back as a chainsaw demon guy called Chainsaw Man. And he has to, like, take out the Yakuza. I think it's the Yakuza kills him. Um, but I gotta say the style looks so cool. Yeah, it looks really... I'm going to watch this. I don't really watch anime, not because I have anything against it, just because I don't know where to watch it or what to watch or so much of it. But, like, this... This looks so insane. I'm going to watch it. And the animation looks so good. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, Chainsaw Man. Death Robots or something. Yeah. Just wait till you get to... Have you got to the end of the trailer yet? Yeah, yeah. Dude has like two of his hands are chainsaws, and then like his forehead has a chainsaw. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I, the soundtrack's really cool on it too, but we're watching it without sound right now. Um, Let's set up a Cowboy Bebop community watch party. That sounds fun. 
Yeah, we're gonna. We've been talking about doing uh, TV shows like episode ones um, mm-hmm. eventually. So I think Cowboy Bebop will probably be like our first one we do. Because we've yeah, talked yeah, about yeah. it so much. Um, but yeah, so Chainsaw Man. I'll watch that. I I I don't usually get excited for anime, um, but it looks. Yeah, I think it looks pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, means I'm going to have to steal my brother's Crunchyroll account. When is it coming out? <laughs> I also don't get overly hyped about anime. I really like Dragon Ball Z and stuff, but like yeah. it's just not a medium that's ever. Every time we talk about anime, me or you either either like I say it, yeah. but I really like Dragon Ball, or you <laughs> say yeah. I really like that's our well, thing is, that's how much you could tell we don't watch anime. We were just talking about like the groups of people in our discord right like yeah. if someone spoiled black widow i'd be like holy shit someone other than farm goat spoiled yeah. black widow and if if one of us said like anything about anime <laughs> right it would probably just blow away everyone else on the discord <laughs> yeah they'd be like what that is true uh blue i just got into anime i it is a medium i need to get into i've seen all the studio yo i well, i haven't seen all of them but i've seen most of the studio yo ghibli movies Mm-hmm, that's the um, couple of those. They're good. I haven't been disappointed with anything that I've watched, watched, but it's kind of like... I It's hard to find something to compare it to. It's like a candy jar, right? So you can many. grab anything and, like... So many. Some of them are good, but some of them are gross, you know? And right. Not... And I don't mean... I don't mean literally, but some of them, I guess, are literally as well. well I feel but, like some of them are gross, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, you know... It's hard to know where to start, and I've had some really fantastic recommendations. Like, I'd like to watch Demon Slayer, and I'd like to watch... Uh, like, My Hero uh, Academia. And, yeah, uh, I've heard that that's fantastic. I did actually watch a lot of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I saw that was cool. I like that one. Uh, that was Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood was really cool. I did not watch that one. <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, Chainsaw Man. Check it out. Check out the trailer. Chainsaw Man. I hope that's the theme chainsaw, man. Um, all right, so let's talk about Loki episodes three and four. I think we kind of just talk about them uh, together um, because I can't, they both blended together in my brain. I can't really tell you what happened in three and what happened in four. I can just I tell, tell you what exactly happened in Exactly what happened in three and four. All right, take it away then. All right, there they were in the supermarket in the end of episode two. Yeah, because uh, yeah, that's when yeah. Loki, female Loki, got revealed. So in episode three, uh, it starts off like immediately with Loki following her, but they go to the TVA and then they start fucking shit up. And then Loki gets them out of there by transporting them to Apocalyptica world, yep. where we have like lots of exposition and narcissism, and like it starts to come together that maybe Loki likes Loki because who else would he so like? Fucking weird. What? What? How do you stand on that? I know a lot of people. I've had takes on that. What's your take on it? I think it makes total it? fucking sense. I, I, I read a comment online weird. that just, like, zinged it for me. They were like, who else could Loki really love but himself? Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of weird, but I don't totally hate it. They've actually done, like, a lot of things with uh, Loki's character this go-around. You know, they've... Yeah. Uh, mentioned things about like his sexuality and his gender and they've like really specified some things so like you know i can understand why they're taking the avenue but i don't really see it ending in a super positive way like i i don't know i don't know i don't hate it dating yourself 
you know, whatever. There's a, as my father would say, there's an ass for every seat. <laughs> Fair. Okay. So this is okay. Before we go on, this is kind of my thought um, on Loki in general because I've been, it's been kind of like in my mind. Um, because I've been also uh, kind of uh, like learning about uh, Germanic paganism and stuff as of late, just because it's something I'm interested in. Um, this is like the equivalent if Marvel made a TV series called Jesus. Okay, interesting. Yeah, well, maybe. not even interesting. It's just like the truth. Yeah, like, Loki was a deity that people worshipped. Yeah, like a real life deity. Um. Just like when you think of it like that, it's like okay, it's kind of weird, kind of strange. I okay, I see what you're saying. When you said, my mind immediately went to trying to figure out like how the story of Loki so far has followed the story no. of Jesus. But now I understand, right? Because of that, I and get. The only it. I totally I understand what you're saying. That up is because there's been this weird copyright thing where Disney has been kind of like trying to pull like things from like Loki and Thor, like off of Etsy shop, like, if someone has, like, makes Thor hammers or something, or, like, Thor symbol, and they're like, oh, that's Disney-related, it's like, no, it's not. You right, that's not it's Disney fucking religion. It's someone's religion. Right. Religious views. Got a lot of here. Yeah. Hmm. I just have been thinking about that a lot lately. Just strange. Strange in a culture that, like, you can never make a Jesus-style show like that. Right, that's true. But um, here we are, having Thor, Loki, and Odin. Three yeah. like pagan pagan gods, and they're just uh, marvelized. I, I don't know what I mean by bringing that up. I just have been thinking about no, it. No, but lately. you make a good point. It's just funny how like where my brain went. I was like, wait a yeah. second, is Loki the story of Jesus? <laughs> anyway, um, so to round this out, episode yeah. three. Uh, they're on an apocalyptic world, hiding from the TVA. They fuck up. They can't escape. They break their movement thing. And uh, they accept their fate. And uh, it kind of ends in a way where they're like, things are bad. And then yep. in episode four, it opens up with the act of actual ultimate narcissism, where like they really are getting close, holding hands. Like Loki clearly is like falling for Sylvie a little bit here. And then yeah. uh, uh, their romantic bond. Revealed them to the TVA who came and saved the day, of course. And then uh, lots of stuff happened um, in the fourth episode. That was the big one. Yeah. Um, we got to finally meet the quote-unquote timekeepers who were revealed yep. to not be such. The robots. Yeah. I mean, they probably are that, but not what everyone thinks ones, they are. are also, go Owen Wilson. Like, what a fantastic job he's doing in this show. Yeah. Um, first of all, I'm really, like, biased because I fucking love Owen Wilson. But am okay. I wrong in saying that he's just doing a fantastic job? I mean, I think, yeah, I think he's doing a good job for sure. Okay. I, I, I really like his role in this show. And we mentioned it before. His chemistry with the rest of the cast is, like, really solid. I, I've been enjoying it. So they aren't keeping it low key. <laughs> Not really. Um, but yeah, basically near the end of the episode, our Loki is vaporized and immediately, uh, you know, 
people yeah we, we see the other loki's but then there's a post-credit scene where they reveal more loki's so yeah. which is cool because it sort of answers a question i've had all along without really answering a question i've had all along which was two questions wrapped in one first of all being uh does that thing actually kill people when they prune right. them and then the second follow-up question would be if it's not killing them for sure what's it doing because even in like uh infinity war my immediate thing was like they're not dead they're probably somewhere else right it's yeah it's very very rare that disney or even comics in general kill off someone right especially in that type of way yeah to just have him be like deleted from reality right in front of us like if they were gonna do it for real do it they would have done it like they did it in endgame or infinity Infinity war Yeah, yeah yeah Because that was, like, that felt definitive. Right, it felt thematic and all that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. they, they put a lot of emphasis on that death. I, I can't remember the man's last name, but he played Herschel in The Walking Dead. Uh, uh, Scott, I, I know who you're talking about. I don't uh, know who he is, though. I'm, I'm looking him up. Uh, yeah. Because he is, like, an astounding actor. R.I.P. He, oh, uh, he did pass away, didn't he? passed away a few years ago. Scott Wilson was his name. Um, he said on the death of his character in The Walking Dead, um, that he was happy that it was as gruesome as it was because, uh, the, the more time on screen that you spend dying or like the more glorious or gruesome that it is, uh, kind of shows like the weight of your character, like how much they've contributed to what's going on and, and whether or not that's true, like I could understand that for, him in that moment because it's like his character was pretty prominent and he did have a pretty gruesome death definitely, definitely um and loki was the same like he was a huge part of thor's life and he had a pretty brutal fucking on-screen in-your-face death <laughs> yeah i mean it's pretty much started off endgame yeah solid way mm-hmm. anyway um i don't actually have a ton to say about loki because i feel very uh like on the ropes with the show I feel like they've yeah. done a really good job so far, but I think it, I don't want it to, but in the back of my head is always like this, will it suffer from what we'll Marvel call Central. the Maximov conundrum? <laughs> because WandaVision was so rad and then it was so And then it wasn't. <laughs> um, yeah, that, I, that's, I kind of feel the same about it. Like right now, I've been enjoying it. I watch it. I'll watch it tomorrow. I'll watch it this mm-hmm. morning. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have too much about to say about it. Um, I'm excited for the rest of the ride. I just don't want to be disappointed by it. It's like weird. I like don't want to give my takes on it just because like I can open up we any get social media. Flack. Not even oh. flack. I mean, I, we do get a lot of flack whenever we talk about Marvel or <laughs> Disney. Time. Just, every time it is really funny. If you go on our YouTube page, you'll see the most disliked ones are whenever we Shane and I talk That's about cool, Disney man. for some reason. Oh um, cool, man, y'all like Disney. It's okay to like stuff. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. It's okay to like stuff. Um, I just, I, there's so many people having takes on it. I just don't want to have a take on it, which sounds really hipster of me. I just don't, everyone, someone has my conform. take out there. Go find it. I don't want to conform. Yeah. My, my main take right now is just, I'm, I'm excited for the ride. I just don't want to hate the ending. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two more episodes. So we'll and see. I can't really say that I'm confident that I won't, which is also I mean, kind of sucky. Two more episodes. We'll see. I mean, you're right. I really, goddamn, I'm gonna be so disappointed if the last episode is just a fight. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Oh, oh 
god. Laser beams. If we get laser, well, at least they'll win an MTV award if it is just laser beams for <laughs> best fight of the year. Uh, well, it's just that we're primed for like a perfect thing, right? Like both Loki and Sylvie can just be like, green blast. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The last time we had a character that could, she did, and it was awful. Right, one of the most so, powerful goddamn characters know, in all of Marvel take, comics. Let us take yet another lesson from Eight and a Half. Maybe Loki Laufeson should take a lesson from Eight and a Half. Just because yeah. you can do it does not mean you should. Exactly. Don't just start shooting fucking laser beams in episode uh, six, please. So, it, oh, yeah, I mean, like, it, it fit in the uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but just please don't. It's it's so good right now. It just, please don't yeah. ruin it. Land, though, just even if it's, like, an immediate, if it's an average ending and they don't do it, I will take that over them wizard doing fights. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stupid wizard fights. Um. All right, cool. Well, that was the news, everyone. Um, now I'm sports with Shane. Yeah, what was there anything sports related? Not really, but Conor McGregor, Justin Poirier, three is sometime this month. I'm pretty sure. Three is that like the trilogy? It is the trilogy, the defining fight. They are one and one, so it ought to be a banger. Nice. Because Conor fricked up Poirier in the Are first mo- fight, but both then making Connor, a bajillion dollars. Conor got fricked up. Yeah, most likely one bajillion. Nice, I cool. think was the cool. sign. One bajillion each. Nice. Hell yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this movie. Um, so this week we watched uh this little-known movie. You might have heard of it called uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey, the 1968 uh, Stanley Kubrick directed. Produced and co-written film. Uh, the other writer was Arthur C. Clarke. For those who don't know, I don't think I don't feel like his name is brought up enough when we talk about 2001. Like uh, Arthur C. Clarke, uh, who is uh, a famous, one of the most famous sci-fi writers of all time. Uh, he is up there with Isaac Asimov and uh, Philip K. Dick. Dick. Philip K. Dick. Philip K. Dick. Um, they wrote this together, and it's it's a film. Um, it's a journey. It's we're gonna. It's just gonna be. We're about to get into so, it. It's a journey. Uh, this was I your first time say, seeing it, right? It was, and sometimes it didn't feel like I was watching a film. It felt like I was watching a show. Not and not, yeah. not like a TV show, like a like a Pink Floyd laser light show. <laughs> you <laughs> you know mean, what I yeah. mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it felt like, like an epic, you know, thing. Um, if you actually listen to Dark Side of the Moon and watch 2001, um, oh my gosh, I'm pretty of sure, um, when you, they get to Jupiter, um, it syncs up perfectly with the song, uh, On the Run. Interesting. So- you know, I actually have a DVD copy of, uh, the Wizard of Oz overlaid with Dark Side of the Moon. Nice. You can really I put Dark let- Side of the Moon on anything. I should lend it to you because it's yeah. actually fucking crazy. I'd watch uh, it. It is it perfectly lines up. It's it's weird. Uh, yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. Actually, before we get into our opinions, uh, let's. I think this is a film we actually need to break down and talk about what it is. Um. Before we should give our opinions. Um. So for those who didn't know, two thousand and one, like I said, is a Stanley Kubrick film. If you don't know who Stanley Kubrick is, um, one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. I don't even think that's a controversial statement to make. Um, the Shining, 2001, uh, Clockwork Orange, uh, Dr. Strangelove, uh, Eyes Wide Shut. I could 
There's only like two more. If you do a uh, full metal not, jacket, not a not full metal jacket. Yeah. Um, um, am I right in saying that this movie is probably the reason that he got so much attention over the moon landing? Oh, absolutely. People saw this and <laughs> saw the moon landing. Okay, because um, I watched this and I was like, wait, this came out in 68? Yeah. This is starting to like put a whole puzzle together yeah, it, from an era that I didn't live in. <laughs> it's 100% why people think Kubrick okay. faked the moon landing. Um, I always wondered, like, why the fuck do people think that this guy did this? It's because of 2001. Okay, um, it all makes sense now. But yeah, so uh, 2001 is the film directly after Dr. Strangelove. Um, for those who don't know, uh, we'll watch Dr. Strangelove one of these times. Um, it is uh, Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb is the full title. It is a, uh, it's like, uh, I would what, what would you consider it? I would consider it like a satire, dark comedy. Dr. Um, Strangelove? Yeah. I've never seen it. Okay. So I would consider it a dark satire comedy. Um, and Kubrick, after he made that, he wanted to... Instead of doing another one of those films, he wanted to make a film that explored humanity and evolution and uh, technology and how we evolve along technology. So he went on and uh, started writing or coming up with the idea for 2001 A Space Odyssey. He got the main idea from Arthur C. Clarke's short story, The Sentinel. The Sentinel is a story about how humans find a strange monolith on the moon and it is uh the monolith acts as a beacon to let this super advanced stuff and super these super advanced aliens know that we were ready that we have advanced enough to come and like give us more technology that's what the sentinel was about stanley kubrick took that um he actually got arthur c clark to help write the screenplay and from that we got 2001 a space odyssey so 2001 a space odyssey is a strange film that's all I'm going to say. No, I'm kidding. Um, I can agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what I mean by it's a strange film is, uh, first of all, it doesn't really have a main character. The main character... Okay, that's true. Thank you. You just confirmed my beliefs the throughout main character like, most of that movie. is humanity. This is a story okay. about monkeys made by a monkey for monkeys. It is a. It is literally a film about humanity. Um. People can argue that part three is a really, like, you could consider, like, Dave being the main character. I don't really consider him being the main character. I just considered him being a large part of part three. That was you know? who I settled on as the main character. Was Right, Dave. and most people do, and I can see why, like, he has, he's the most prominent. I think he has the most screen time with, like, dialogue, and he does have the conflict with the quote-unquote main protagonist of this film, which is Hale 9000. Mm-hmm. Um... But let's let's how do we get to there? So uh, the first part of 2001: A Space Odyssey is the dawn of man. It is 22 minutes of monkey, ape monkeys, ape like humanoids, um, and just doing ape like humanoid things. Um, we see them fight over territory. We see them hunting and gathering and fending themselves off of the animals that are kicking their ass. Uh, we that's why there's that cheetah there, jaguar cheetah. Yeah, it's yeah. a cheetah. Um, and this is. Uh, and this is like the part of the movie where it's like before we have technology, before we have tools, we are just animals. Um, four, four times. We actually yes. witnessed them like discover tools. Yes. Um, yes. So exactly. So the Dawn of Man, uh, that segment, um, most of it uh, is we're just kind of observing, watching these uh, ape like humans. Um, right. Eventually. Can I just say? Yep. Well, we're on the topic of the Dawn of Man specifically. Yes. 
I ran into this thing. The last few times we've done ruining movies, we've done them through Amazon Prime, and I've rented these movies, and this pop-up has popped up that's like, blah, 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 something about standard definition. If it doesn't work, it might not work on your screen, and blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? I just hit the X every fucking time, just as I did this time. So it came up, and I was like, fuck you, click away. And the first, like, four or five minutes of this movie is just a black screen with no audio. There is a lot of... (laughs) There is then, a lot then there's of like that. droning sounds. Yeah. For a minute. And I was like, I actually legitimately stopped my movie and exited Prime and like restarted my browser. I was like, why is this movie not working? Yep. And uh, a, it was it was working. It tricked me. A lot of uh shots like that. Uh fun fact, uh the monolith and the actual film screen uh are the same dimensions. Kubrick did it on purpose. Damn the film screen. You know, okay. like the black two black bars that you look at a film, like the ah. dimensions of the rectangle is the same yeah. dimensions as the monolith. Nice. Whatever that means to you, you can figure it out yourself. Um, huh. That wasn't to you. That was to the audience. Yeah, yeah. So um, sorry to keep interrupting. I just no, you're good. You're good. Interrupt as facts. much as you want. Ask questions. I, I've uh, seen this film many times, and I, I know a decent amount about it. Um. Anyway, uh, we watched the the apes. Um. Like I said, go through their out their life, and then they're all sleeping, and then monolith, monolith appears. Um, we get this great scene of them all going around. They gave him close enough to touch it, but not touch it. Get close enough to touch it, but don't touch it. Then they touch it, and then through the monolith, they learn to use tools. Um, after that, we see the apes using bones to kill their enemies, to claim territory, and to make their life better. This is uh, Kubrick's uh, way of being like, hey, this technology and man evolved together. Um, another fun fact, a lot of fun facts. Um, Stanley Kubrick, when he went out to make this film, he said he wanted to make a modern day myth. Um, and I think he did. It, it, it's, it's, re- this film is religious in a sense. And it's like, it gives, an, gives a reason for humanity, gives a reason where we're going. There's very... There's a lot of godlike imagery in here, um, mm-hmm. omnipo- omni, omnipresent oh, beings and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, the Donna Man ends with probably one of the most, the probably the f- most famous cut of all time. Um, the ape throws the bone, the tool in to space. We see it in slow motion, and then match cut. We're in space. We're now on the mission to the moon. Another fun fact is uh, that spaceship we first see when we go from bone to spaceship is a nuclear-powered spaceship. Uh, that is Stanley Kubrick comparing the original tool we had, like clubs and bones, to the most modern weaponry we have, which is nuclear bombs. So, club, nuclear bombs, that is what that match cut is. Um, and then we go to part two of 2001 A Space Odyssey. It follows a group of scientists who have found a monolith on the moon. Yeah. Um, a big part of this is uh, the scientists sitting around in a room talking about their discovery, how we can't really let people know that this ch- discovery is going to change everything. Um, it's pretty slow. It's a pretty slow segment. I, I like it. Um, we also, one of the other aspects of 2001 that comes up a lot is the idea of birth, the birth of humanity. Um birth is like a main scale thing like the birth of the universe but then also there's a lot of birthdays throughout this film so um part two we see the main scientist talking to his daughter about her birthday birthday. birthday. yeah i will say like the second 
part of this movie, it is kind of slow. Yeah. But it's like, if it almost felt like a Tarantino flick where it was like so dialogue focused, but the dialogue was like affecting me in a way I didn't anticipate. Right. So as, as soon as the second act started, Mind you, first act, I got in my mind, this movie is by Stanley Kubrick, and mm-hmm. it is rated fucking G. Yeah, it's rated G. Uh, but I just watched an ape get murdered with a bone. So I'm kind yep. of in a weird spot now, and now it's like back super in the day were weird. true. <laughs> and it's like so dialogue-focused, mm-hmm. but throughout that whole second part, like my stress was increasing. Yeah, because like everything that they were talking about up until this point was like so mysterious and weird, and I've already seen this monolith, and I kind of have an idea that it's going to like play a bigger part, but yeah. you never really know exactly what's going to happen, and like the way that things are set up and the score, it just had me like of anxiety building. It is up, a like, very tense film. The second act. Um, it is even a very when they were chomping film. on their sandwiches like cows. Frank's like eating his stupid ham sandwich i was like dude you gotta stop chewing with your mouth open guy you're on set yeah definitely (laughs) um definitely but it was still on edge like the entire time it was kind of weird it's it's this thing that uh kubrick and arthur c clark do with this um film and also the the soundtrack helps along with this and the cinematography um is like we there there's so many questions raised by this film uh the monolith the monolith is so strange because it doesn't really give us an answer, um, which I think Kubrick, this is one of the better representations of a um, alien life force. It, like this movie has the best interpretation of that because it is so strange that like we can't comprehend it. The viewer can barely comprehend what is happening. We yeah, know yeah. that it's whatever it is is crazy and mind um, changing and reality breaking and stuff, but it's just a rectangle made out of some shiny material that we don't know how it works, but we know that it is this great thing of great importance. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, part two, we go all the way through and I think we get to my favorite shot of the entire film is when they're all walking down to the monolith in the moon crater. Um, yeah, more anxiety again with yeah, the score. It's so slow. and like feeling like my head's in a fucking space helmet. Yeah, through like most of this, like so it started then when they're like all walking, but then mm-hmm. like the majority of the third act, yeah, it feels like it. I was watching it with headphones on. It felt legitimately nice. like I was inside of uh, Dave's space helmet. Yeah, and, yeah, the and sound design really is so good. <laughs> it's really unnerving. It it really is. Um. So the second part uh, ends with uh, them all getting close to the monolith and touching it and it making a really high-pitched noise that makes them all like grab their ears and stuff. Um, what that means in the story is... I'm going to try to describe the story like how Arthur C. Clarke and Steve Stanley Kubrick described it. Um, that is the part where the monolith is currently sending a signal to let the aliens know that humanity has advanced this far. Um, that they'll probably be going to the next beyond Jupiter. Yes. Yep. So it sent, it sends the humans to Jupiter, but it also like is a, like a beacon, like being like, Oh, this civilization has made it this far. Um, you can also, there's also a debate online that like, did the monolith also give humanity the ability to make AI? Um, which I'm just going to quote Arthur C. Clarke right now. Um, Arthur C. Clarke pretty much said that if you left 2001, 
knowing what everything about the movie was about, you watched the movie wrong. You're not supposed yeah, to have I all the answers. That. You're not <laughs> supposed to have all the answers. You're supposed to watch 2001 A Space Odyssey and understand it for the most part, but like there's a lot of things that happen in this film that you just can't get answers for. And I know like that's a cop out for a lot of filmmakers, but like I think it's it's perfect for 2001. Makes total sense. Um, before we get into the third act, there's something I also want to talk about with, uh, the cinematography of this film, um, that, uh, Kubrick does in all his films so well that it gives me such anxiety as a filmmaker, and that is how long he can hold shots. Yeah. Um, 88 minutes of this film are without dialogue. Wow. And, yeah. Um, That's crazy. And I can tell you, as someone who has made films in the past, um, the anxiety of having an audience watch your film and you thinking that your shot is holding too long because people are getting bored is like an absolute constant fear I always have. Um, and I try to push my shots very for a very long time because that's kind of like my style. I really like long shots, but like it's so nerve wracking. And Stanley Kubrick will literally be like, yeah, so there's like the space and a spaceship moving across it. Just like run it for like 20 minutes. It'll be fine. <laughs> and it works. <laughs> You're just yeah. like, I'm in. So we've talked about this before and how like sometimes in movies I really don't enjoy long shots yeah. like that. But like since I've made that statement, it's like we've made it a fucking point to, watch all the to keep picking movies that do this really, yeah. really well. Yeah. Um and we have and I I, I really liked it in this. At some points it after watching it, it's like, I enjoy it. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. But I could understand how there's, like, a part of movie viewers that view some of these things as, like, pretentious or over-the-top or too drawn-out or boring. Yeah. Like, I get that. But at the same time, it's, like, it's beautiful and yeah. it's grabbing me and it's, like, keeping me in this moment. Again, not everybody's going to watch this movie with yeah. headphones on. Um, right. I did, <laughs> and it worked really well. It had just this crazy effect. And as someone who's come out on this podcast and said, like, these aren't my favorite types of shots, mm -hmm. these, these are some of my favorite shots in the movie. They're, um, they're so good, and it just shows you how confident Stanley Kubrick is with his filmmaking, that he yeah. can literally just hold a shot for that long yeah, and so not well. really worry about people thinking it's like too long i know like the general reception for 2001 when it first came out a lot of people were like this is really pretentious um very long um like way like what is he doing this is just like feels like very uh patting himself on the back i i, I completely disagree with that i think everything he does in this film is perfect and i'm yeah. with you like i i disagree but like i can understand why certain viewers would think that. Oh, absolutely. you know this... your your average movie viewer that's like look let's go see transformers probably is gonna get bored right in some of this it's stuff. but it's... like i really appreciated what was going on throughout the whole thing absolutely it is one of those films i think everyone who like wants to learn more about filmmaking or even like is like has any interest in film in general and is like I want to learn about some of the greatest like I think this is a film you should watch but I don't think it's a film that everyone needs to see like everyone ever needs to see I don't think a lot of people would like this movie which I know is like weird to say because it is one of the most popular movie influential movies of all time but yeah. it is like I know a lot of people where I could be like hey go watch this and like 
Mm-hmm. It is very long, and you really have to like really dedicate yourself to it. And that's not me patting us on the back for watching. It's just it's a different type of film. Yeah, like I could see how someone, especially in today's age, where you know you have a cell phone six inches away from you all the time. Yeah, I could see how someone would get distracted watching. Yeah, it's a long ass movie. It's a long time. Some of the shots are kind of long, and like you said, there's what did you say? 88 minutes of no dialogue? 88 minutes of no dialogue in 2001. So, like, I can understand how, you know, literally this week, a movie came out that had more fucking explosions and aliens than I've seen in the last, like, 10 years. That's what we have to do to, like, feed these short attention spans of most people. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, but in this movie, you know. Yeah, I just ahead. looked this up, too. So, uh, there is no dialogue in the first 25 minutes, in the last 23 minutes. Um, along with that, there's all, like, you add those together, then there's still 88 dialogue-free minutes, uh, including the 25 and the 23, which also can tell, like, if you watch, if you go in, if you tell someone to watch this movie and they don't know what they're expecting and they just watch 23 minutes of monkeys, (laughs) I can understand why you'd be like, I don't want to watch this. Yeah, this is a little bit much for me. I get it. But, like, I had a good idea of what I was getting myself into. Yeah. I didn't recognize, like, actually how little dialogue there would be. I mean, there's basically two conversations in the second act and then like the third act has the most conversation and it ain't much yeah mostly fucking dave breathing in his helmet (laughs) that's the thing is like whenever you kind of see 2001 represented in uh like popular culture or like modern day like media is like because like every show ever references 2001 pretty much um they always reference hell yeah, and he hell I just tells that he hell the AI robot is like actually kind of a smallish part. Um, yeah, that's true. To the film, they always do the Dave thing. I cannot do that. Dave. I can't do that, Dave. But I think that uh, I think Community's joke on this movie might have been one of my favorites. Yeah, it, that that was really well done. Um, but I've like you said, I have seen this movie in so many like pop culture references and mm-hmm. different things so seeing it really now for the first time and like seeing some of the real iterations of the jokes that i've seen in other media that i like was kind of awesome absolutely so let's move on to part three which is uh arguably i can't even say arguably the most talked about part of this movie because people love talking about the fourth part of this movie which is understandable on the last part um, but part three is uh like the main, the bread and the butter. It is uh Dave and Hale, um and I god I can't remember the other guy's name right now. Uh oh man. Uh, it's Frank? Not Frank. Yes, it's Frank. Frank's from the second act. Yes. Right? Isn't yeah. Um but anyway. I can't yeah. But anyway, um it takes place as uh sixteen months later, sixteen or eighteen months later, after this is part two. Where um, Dave and Hale are going, Dave, Hale, and a handful of other astronauts are heading to Jupiter, um, or past Jupiter, um, to find the whatever signal the monolith made. Um, and in this see, this part, we get some of the best cinematography of all time. There are shots in this part of the film that, even in part two, that are, like, I honestly know that, like, I know how they did it. Like, I've watched videos on how they do it. I'm talking, like, specifically about, like, when they're, um, rotating, like, in the cylinders. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, running in the circles. Like I find myself asking a lot, like, how are they doing that? <laughs> and you have to remember, this was all practical effects. Yeah. 
they built these sets to rotate. And honestly, like, even now that I know how to do it, it's still like, this is fucking magic how you did this. Like, Yeah, it looks so beautiful. I can't even imagine trying to get those shots, like, ever. Mm-hmm. And you've made these things happen. You've made zero gravity on Earth feel real. Yeah. Which is well, probably a lot of the reason why people Again. like faking the moon uh, landing. Yep, that's why they hit him up. That was what I thought. I was watching this shit, and I was like, this is 1968. We haven't yeah. really done anything like this too much, but like he seems to have a pretty good grasp on what's going on in space. Yeah, really. Um, but anyway, you were right. It is Frank uh, and Dave are in the yeah, third yep. act. Um, um, another fun fact. Just, yep, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm go looking like as soon as I opened IMDb, the the trailer was in the image, and it's one of yeah. my favorite shots from this movie, which is when um, when Dave is asking Hal to open the doors, mm-hmm. and he's like, you can tell that he has come to the other side of his realization. It yep. was a maybe, but now it's a definite. And it's just this, like, this staring look from Dave. He's just, like, staring at the camera. With the, the lighting on his face. Back oh. at him. Yeah, it's so beautiful. So I'm just looking at it right now. It looks so fucking cool. Because when you first meet these characters, they're not like this. They're not these, like, sinister-looking, no. poorly lit entities that are like about to rage they're these dudes mm-hmm. on a spaceship and it's sweet and mm-hmm. now you have Dave in this like low lighting looking like fucking venom about the, to like transform <laughs> you have the you have the famous kubrick stare um yeah. for anyone who doesn't know that it is when the actor lowers their jaw a little bit and then ha- you have the camera at a, a, a higher angle looking down on them uh you the actor lowers their head a little bit and then they raise their eyes up Literally every Kubrick film has it. Uh, the Shining is probably the most prominent version of it, it but Dave so does it. Cool. I think his name is Kier Dulia. Yeah, yeah. Dave. I actually That's watched just, um, a documentary with him. Yeah. It's so just menacing. It like, oh, it's just so cool. I like it. Sorry, go ahead. You watched a documentary um, about him? You, well, he had a documentary talking about it. Like he was hosting the documentary talking about 2001 and a lot of how oh, the film okay. was made and stuff which was really cool it's it, you can find it on youtube if you type in 2001 documentary um he he's actually like the person talking about it which is really cool nice. um but anyway yeah part three we're introduced to hail um hail is hail 9000 uh he doesn't sound I like, like that, that when is. they say his name it sounds like hell <laughs> yeah he really does um anyway uh, hail is an ai uh we, we 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 get a lot of talk about how he was created his birth um we find in this we also have that uh this mission is also secretive only two of the astronauts up right now are up the other four have been uh put to sleep and are going to be awoken when they get to jupiter um halfway through i don't even know if it's halfway through but um on their journey there their communication sensor array gets messed up um they have to fix it uh they're like what's going on with it and uh they learn from the people on earth it's like oh it's not a problem with the actual ship it's a problem with hell uh hell is doing this for some reason and uh when they ask hell one of my favorite lines uh they ask hell what's going on he just says human error which i yeah. i love that line so much it is technically it is human error we, we created hell yeah that's true um uh, anyway uh with that we find out uh, we get this great scene where uh, Dave and Frank are trying to talk about turning Hal off because he seemed to have gone rogue. Um, and they tr- do this like crazy plan to make it so they can't be heard, but Hal 
uh, kind of mirroring the whole god thing that Kubrick's going for is like pretty much omnipotent on this spaceship. Yeah. He knows what they're saying. He can read their lips. He control. He is the god of this space station. Technology um, has surpassed man at this point. Exactly. Um. So he kills Frank in a very brutal way. Oh us. man. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, by Frank shooting him out into wolf. space. Uh. Pretty much. <laughs> um. And a fun fact about not even fun fact, but my honestly, uh, I guess it is a fun fact. All. The space shots are matte paintings just filmed over. And I honestly think that is the way we should be doing space scenes. I don't care yeah, about CGI. I, mean, it's, it's I don't beautiful. Like, I honestly would argue that this is the best looking space film of all time just because of the matte paintings. There's just something about it. Like, I would take uh, the paintings over CGI space any day of the week. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I can agree with that. And it. it, it he just does such a good job of like making it feel so just devoid of anything Mm -hmm. aesthetically yeah through the painting but i have to just talk about the score again because like as soon as they go into a place where they're you know in an airlock or about to go into space like the audio changes and it feels like you're in the fucking void and when you look into space you feel like you are in the fucking void and it is it's just so well done I, I can't say enough good things. It it really it's it's hard. It's like it's hard to like come here and talk about two thousand and one and not just gush about it. It really yeah. There's a lot of films people talk about where it's easy to be like, oh, that's overrated, uh, blah blah blah. Like I didn't like it for this reason. Like I can't come on this podcast and try to be neutral. I I truly think two thousand and one is possibly the greatest film of all time. It just there's nothing that compares to it. Um, and it's. Kubrick is an artist that deserves to be up there with like Picasso and Van Gogh and Monet. Like, he, he, another fun fact because fun facts are what I do. Um, this 2001 is kind of one of the first science fiction films to come out to be a serious film. Um, before this, you had um Flash Gordon and John Carter of Mars. 2001 came out in a time when science fiction films were B-movies, like Attack of the Martians or Pulp Magazine Mm -hmm. sci-fi films. Like, 2001 came out and was a serious film, a very artful science fiction film. And honestly, without it, we wouldn't get the really great sci-fi, like, films that came out after 2001. Like, as I'm watching this, I'm like, I can see where other media have, like, pulled influence from. Absolutely. Um, Not just pop culture, either. Yeah, just culture in general. Like, this is a culture-changing film. Um, uh, I know Christopher Nolan says this is his most influential film, and you can see it in his, all of his films. I mean, he yeah. made Interstellar. Yeah. Um, like I said, Which I'm not like a big... almost... It, yeah, like it's I said... almost like this. I'm not the biggest fan of Interstellar, but I, Christopher Nolan's Interstellar is just his 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. It's pretty close. Yeah. Very, very. I mean, I mean like Interstellar not... is just like part two and th- part three and four mm-hmm. of two thousand one. It's a condensed down version, not quite a like you said earlier, like a like a broad scope. Yeah, That's like, kind of what this is. Yeah, um, us, but like a lot. If you if you find most interviews with directors, they'll bring up two thousand one eventually in their interviews and talk about how influential it was. Um, and it's also a great way. I mean, I don't think anyone's having this debate anymore that film is not art. But like, it's, if anyone ever says that, just tell them to go watch 2001. Yeah, 
And it's like I said earlier, I, and I don't want to say this and give anyone the wrong idea. This is obviously a film, yeah. but I felt like I was experiencing like an event, you know, like a show, like a concert or a laser light show or something like that. Like it didn't, didn't always feel like a film. Right. <laughs> Sometimes it felt like an exhibit. It felt like greater a than a film. Yeah. Yeah. It really felt like just a lot more grandiose than like your average film. Yeah. Um, so uh, back to three, uh, we find uh, like Frank's dead. Dave tries to get his body back, which we get and kind of get That's this crazy. really religious, again, another more, more religious iconic, uh, like I religious uh, imagery of him, like carrying Frank's body mm -hmm. with his drone and trying to get Dave to, <laughs> I mean, to get Hal to open the door um then then that's where we get your favorite uh scene and probably what like an yeah. amazing scene with a uh, dave's face uh with the light oh, so a great beautiful. use of light in this film um doing the Kubrick's there. just to <laughs> see it yeah um anyway uh the most unrealistic part of the film uh which i will give i will in defense of kubrick uh there is a scene this next scene where uh he launches himself dave launches himself through space yeah, uh, without yeah, a space, yeah. a helmet. Uh, at the time, science said you could do that. True. So they also, didn't I mean, the whole like pursuit of Frank. Yeah. I was watching that, and the entire time I was like, "This is for nothing. Like, you're never gonna catch him. He's <laughs> right. going way too fast." <laughs> right. And right. then he he caught him, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Yeah. That's so, that's fine. I accept that." <laughs> yeah. In defense of Kubrick and Arthur C. Clarke at the time, mm -hmm. that's the popular science said you could do that. Yeah. Um, anytime I had like any thought that was like that's not a thing i was yeah. just like this is from 1968 shane they hadn't even <laughs> been to the moon yet yeah they haven't even <laughs> been to the moon um and another thing about arthur c clark uh, not only is he a f um one of the most famous science fiction writers of all the time he's also an inventor that like helped get people to space so oh, that's beautiful that's awesome he, he knows his stuff he also really pushed for aliens and going to space and stuff arthur c clark he really probably cool. invented the space helmet i don't <laughs> think so but um <laughs> Anyway, uh, Dave gets back into the spaceship, um, and he gets to Hal's brain, and he starts unplugging Hal. Um, Hal, be Hal goes from this very personable, like, please, Dave, no, and, like, this very, like, personable, like, thing that feels like it's, like, living being, and as, like, as Dave is pulling out his memory banks, you watch him go back to humans. Yeah, exactly, like that. <laughs> Um, which again, so many questions. What does that say? Does that talk about, um, is he removing like tools away from humanity? So is that what Kubrick's trying to say there? Again, this, this film is very open-ended. You can kind of put your own thoughts into that. Um, but we also get one of the most unsettling scenes of any film ever. Daisy. Daisy. Oh, that was weird. And it's just like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> that part still makes me so unsettled every time i see this film um there are a yeah. lot of like really shaking parts of this movie yeah. i ca i found myself saying many times like g g rating but like yeah. when i i knew this was by kubrick so i knew that it was gonna be like a ride yeah you know and i just didn't really know what to totally expect as soon as i saw the ape's head get smashed in in the first act though i was yeah. like okay i'm yeah. buckled in like i can yep. handle this um, but then that, you know, between this whole like third act, there was so many parts where I was just like, oh my gosh, 
Like if yep. I was in this situation, like holy shit. Right. Um crazy. I should also say, uh pale is the same shape as a monolith. Again. Whatever That's that true. means to you, whatever that means to you. And also uh because Hal eradicates the other astronauts, this is Dave like getting rid of the only other thing that yep. he could like converse with, socialize yep. with, or anything yep. like that. So basically just spends the rest of the movie alone. Um yeah, and uh that's part three part well part three ends with him going into a black hole. Um that is the monolith. Um, and getting close to Jupiter. I, I, I can't remember if that's like that starts part four or part three. I think they're the similar. Um, there's an but, intermission in there though. Somewhere. Yes. Oh, that's what I wanted to talk about. We need intermissions back. Seriously. If I had known there was a fucking intermission, I wouldn't have taken my own intermission 30 minutes before. I sincerely believe we need to bring intermissions back to films. If your film is over two hours, put an intermission in it. Yeah, I don't care. stylistic. Yeah, like um, the last film I saw that had uh, an intermission is I saw when the Hateful Eight was touring, uh, like its actual like film projector version. Um, yeah, yeah. Like the full length, like because that movie is like four hours long. Like it had an intermission in it, and it was great. Bring intermissions back. Like right. Endgame should have had an intermission in it. Yes, give me ten minutes to go absorb this fucking information. And pee. And, and pee. That's too <laughs> mostly long for pee. a human to sit. Yeah, and the intermission in this was like it was like five minutes or something, roughly. Yeah. Not even like it wasn't that long. But seriously, I stopped the movie probably yeah. like maybe like fifteen minutes before this. Yeah, and like used the bathroom and refilled my water bottle, and then I came back and there was an intermission. I was like, "Fuck! Wish I had <laughs> known about that. I would have not done that." Uh, yeah, I honestly, <laughs> I I truly believe, non-ironically, we need to bring intermissions back to that movies. Is a fantastic idea. If I made a movie and it was over two and a half hours long, I'd fucking put an intermission. Hell in it. yeah, I would. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, there's an intermission and like earlier, um, boom. Uh, this is we, this is the part people talk about a lot. If we need to see 2001, it is the trippy part. It is wow, so good. Uh, you he so we both we get to experience a black hole. Um, we get to see Dave go through a black hole, which is the monolith. Um, in some of the greatest visuals created in film. Oh, no, I wouldn't say the greatest. There's a lot of film like experimental for films. sure for its it. time though. Right. right. I mean, the, well, like, the only thing it I say seems don't, so ahead of its time. The only reason I say that is there were experimental filmmakers around the same time there, like Stan right. Brackage and stuff, doing the same type of visuals. But I will say this: that kind of visuals for mainstream, even though like 2001 wasn't even like that mainstream, was like pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, I felt like I was watching something made not yeah, if you. Yeah, if you are interested in knowing how those visuals were created, look up slit scan photography. Um, on YouTube or something, and that's how they did it. Um, it's pretty much you make a slit, and then like you move it across a image, um, going back and forth with your camera, and it creates those visuals. Um, but anyway, we watched. It's hard to even like describe this part because you just really need to watch part four. Um, you watch Dave go through a black hole. Um, he moves through time and space in this very abstract way because how are you supposed to even represent that? It's, um, but this is the part where I was like thinking about Interstellar, right? Because right? Interstellar because, does this, yeah, in a very not exactly a similar way, but like 
when I try to think of how I would describe those visuals, it's how mm-hmm. I would describe these visuals, which is like almost indescribable. Describing it is yeah. almost by just saying what it is. He's going through a black hole. Yeah, but so it's like an indescribable thing. No one's ever fucking done that. No one knows right. what it's we like. We don't know what it is. That's why going back to my uh, comment earlier, this is the one of the best representations in like mainstream film that rep- like can shows the unknowable. Like yeah. You you can't make the unknowable. You can't literally can't mm-hmm. show us what we don't know. It's just not how it works. We literally can't do that. So if you do something like this, it's a great it's a great uh, barrier to be like, hey, like this experience you're having is supposed to represent the unknowable. Um So black hole and then we go into the strangest twenty three minutes of film endings ever. Uh, what what are uh, before I go into and spoil what the fourth and part four was actually about? Um, because unfortunately, I heard Stanley Kubrick talk about it. I kind of wish I didn't know what it was about. But what do you think it was about? What do you think um, part four was? I just assumed that it was Dave uh, transcending like human existence into being like an extraterrestrial entity as he like moved from like he had gone beyond the bounds of time or whatever and then when he tried to interact with these other forms of himself he just like i i I had assumed in my brain that it was like him transcending through parts of his life into later parts and being like born again as the star child a product of this obelisk thing for sure for sure um that's kind of like what my original thought was it i thought it was something very metaphysical like that I cool, um, ruin it for me. Yeah, so I'm going to say this to anyone. <laughs> if anyone has their own thought on the part four and doesn't want to know the actual part, because even Stanley Kubrick was like, I don't really want to say this, um, but I think if you, are, if you are interested in knowing what part four is about, because there is a, uh, this is based off a book, and that's like what actually happens in the book, um, don't listen for the next five minutes. So uh, you got the ending right, Shane. The okay. transcending part. Okay, um, cool. Like, when he turns into the Star Child, that is what it is about. But the parts where he is in that very Stanley Kubrick room that is all white uh-huh. and uh-huh. has all that really weird French uh, Baroque-style art everywhere, uh-huh. um, that is a human zoo. Oh. That is, that entire scene where he is going through uh, the different ages and stuff is him trying to comprehend um, aliens observing him. That is a human zoo that the aliens have done to observe dave and humanity and what humans are um it's the reason why that room looks like it was created by someone who wasn't human but they were trying to put what humans think like it's like if an alien tried to make a room in which they think humans would like yeah yeah so he just like lived out his life in this room yeah in this weird time flux that's why like uh, Kubrick said, like, how he's, exper- like, sees himself. Like, that's how he was experiencing time because it was so strange to him. Right. Um, but in the end, he, the aliens do transcend him, and he transcends into a star child. And in the end, that's why you have the baby staring at Earth because he has become a god pretty much by the aliens to come back to Earth to change it. And is that what 2010's about? I don't know. I've actually not seen 2010. Oh, you asked me like you had seen it. No, I was joking. I was joking. I've actually not seen 2010. Um, I actually don't know what it's about because I don't want to see the sequel to 2001 because I don't think there should be one. Is it also by Kubrick? No, but it's a... 
No, it's not. I thought Arthur yes, C. Clarke. Yes, it's called 2010 uh, When We Made Contact. The Year We Made Contact, yeah. The Year We Made Contact. Um, No, I've actually not seen it. Okay, interesting. Um, well, I probably won't. I just don't. It's one of those movies I don't need to see. To see yeah, I kind of feel that, you know? Like, yeah. I didn't really want to see Three from Hell. Right, exactly. There's just some <laughs> films that, like... I didn't need that in my life. That you just see, and it's like, I, I I, got everything this movie was trying to say. I don't think it's... I don't need anything else to add to it. I don't think anything will add to it. It's eight and a half. It's, you don't want to need to add mm-hmm. things. You do, really yep. don't have to make a sequel to 2001. I think they just made a sequel to 2001 is because Arthur C. Clarke wrote a sequel to it, and they made... They based it off the book. Uh, I see. Um, and that is 2001 A Space Odyssey. If you have not watched it and you've just listened to us, you probably have no idea what we're talking about. So go watch the movie. It's great. Yeah, I'd recommend it. Check it yeah. out. So uh, any final thoughts before we ruin this movie? Can we? Can we? Yeah, we're going to. All right. They, vo- they voted ready. on it. I think I got most of my thoughts out there. I it's This was a hard one to like... I thought it was going to be more difficult to, like, process. Yeah. But it, it wasn't so bad. I was more confused by eight and a half. <laughs> yeah, eight and a half In the was... beginning, at least. Right. Well, yeah, that is true. Well, eight and a half was more avant-garde. Uh, this was more main... This is, like... As strange as it is to say, 2001 was still mainstream filmmaking. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it was definitely, definitely bordered on experimental filmmaking, and Kubrick's films always have kind of been elevated mainstream filmmaking but in the end of the day it is still mainstream filmmaking yeah Um, not exactly a fair comparison i'm just saying like i anticipated being a little bit more off the rails right exactly it was it felt just like like a journey like like a disneyland journey where i'm like on the rails the whole time don't you fucking dare (laughs) don't you dare don't even say disney don't you utter that word (laughs) Or speaking of two thousand and one, but it, it was it was very good. I'm glad that we yeah. watched it. I'm glad Me that too. I watched it finally. It's been a long yeah. time coming. Hell yeah! So. Hell yeah! Um, all right. So for anyone new to the podcast, um, hi, welcome. Um, Hello. this is the part of the podcast in which we ruin the movie. It's in the name of the podcast. Uh, we ruin the movie by taking your guys's votes. Uh. We have polls in our Discord. You can do uh, exclamation mark Discord in my channel. I think also in your chat chain. I don't know. Probably not. All right. You can get a Discord from either of our channels. I'm pretty sure. Um, there the you can. Channel page. Yeah, you can weekly. You can do weekly. We put out these polls. You vote on them. And uh, that's how we ruin or change the movies or rewrite them. Uh, this week, we are making a remake of the sequel <laughs> movie that we, neither of us have seen um, in the genre of drama noir western so are we just ignoring the fact that 2010 exists yeah we're making our own sequel okay so we're just gonna it's a drama noir western, western. and it can't star dave well you're right um how the hell do you make a sequel to this movie who so... voted for sequel <laughs> Well, it was it was it was uh fifty percent of the people voted sequel sequel fifty percent of the people voted remake. So get them out, you know, get them out. You are all just trolling. Um, <laughs> so let's break down two thousand one. What is what makes two thousand one two thousand one? Um, oh God, I, uh, 
Kubrick ever make a Western? I don't think so. All right, well, he's making one now. He uh, sure is. Yeah, he, he is, is kind of the, a big back. part of this, what makes it great. Uh, Passive Glory wasn't, Spartacus wasn't, uh, Lolita wasn't, Barry Lyndon wasn't. No, he didn't. Um, yeah, so, uh, we bring, we're, for, so what makes 2001, 2001, uh, obviously Stanley Kubrick, I don't think another director could have done this. We're bringing him back. He's back in. He, we saw bringing him out of retirement. I don't think he's ever done a sequel in his entire life. In, 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 but for this podcast, he said he'd he do is. anything. Oh, God, you know, God, oh, we're just upsetting the filmmaking gods right now. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick is back. He's making 2010, 2002. 2002, a space 2002, Western. a manifest destiny. <laughs> Um, and then in the genre of drama, noir, western, I'll say, I would argue that, uh, 2001 kind of has a noir aesthetic to it, uh, because it uses all found, noir is usually based on the lighting style, I mean, you can also say detective and stuff, but I'm gonna use the lighting style of noir for this film, and you, it does use, like, a lot of found light from spaceships, obviously, I can't really call it a noir, because, like, all those... Right. Spaceships were designed to be like light the film correctly. Like they there weren't real spaceships. Um, right. But we're gonna say for the fact eh, well, noir, so we'll use the lighting. Um drama, I think two thousand one is a drama. Kind of uh -huh. a human drama. Yeah. Western. I would consider it a drama. Easy. Put it in the West. Boom, done. Um, California. <laughs> California. I, I think there is, so, okay, I'm, I'm jumping everywhere. Back to what makes 2001, 2001, um, Stanley Kubrick, uh, a soundtrack, a fantastic soundtrack that uses classical music, um, matte paintings for background shots and long shots. I love the idea of the Old West with, like, paintings of mountains. Exactly, exactly. Um, you kind of get that in, uh, spaghetti westerns that are so great. Um, you, I also think we don't have a main character. We have, uh, this could, this could be the tale of humanity still. Um, I mean, I feel like Kubrick would, I oh got, I'm speaking for Kubrick right now. I'm really just fucking blasphemy against the film gods right now. Um, you could compare manifest destiny of the West to the space race. That okay. might be something Kubrick brings in. Um, maybe a monolith is found in Utah. <laughs> or this is the sequel, but it's really a prequel because it's about cowboys who found a monolith. Yeah. And that's how they uh. go to the moon. <laughs> Wait. Actually, that might be something. Um, I was maybe... thinking like generational gaps, right? Instead yeah. of like eons between shit go from like caveman to spaceman just yeah. go from like cowboy to cowboy to cowboy to cowboy from like yeah okay we could do like modern like, cowboy to my like gra my grandpappy was a sheriff of this town now i'm the sheriff of this town but i'm yeah. gonna be a better man than him you could do um like a really <laughs> uh focused thing where uh you kind of do the uh the dawn of man part one in the sequel where it is just like um a bunch of people settling the land and building their house but really with no audio kind of like how they did yeah. um there will be blood 
Um, yeah, like yeah. the first part of that, like that could be used shot in the same way. Um, you could definitely uh, even settling use... in Paradise, Texas. Oh God, we're not doing Act tremors. Two tremors. <laughs> Act two tremors. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I think you could do just to do like a lot of like strange artful connections between the, the birth of the West. Um, I don't even know what. I uh, maybe southwestern aesthetic. Yeah, bull skulls and you know, yeah. orange sunsets. I mean, and... Mars looks like Nevada. That's true. A lot of comparison between Nevada and space in this sequel. <laughs> Don't know what it means, but it doesn't need to mean anything sometimes. Um, it doesn't need to mean anything. That's the glory of it. Uh, I think we take the same approach with this as they took with that, and it's like if you understand this. Watch it, or if you understand this, then you're, then wrong. you're watching it wrong. <laughs> exactly, you're wrong. Um, and yeah, I'm having a hard time right now. I told you, I that's why I opened this with can we? Like, I mean, can we? we have to. Actually... It's our gimmick, it's our job, it's our job, <laughs> damn it. Someone has to ruin this movie. Um, so yeah, 2002, a space western. We did it. We did it. It's a film about uh, people manifest destiny, people going west. You compare it to space travel and how people change in that way. There's a monolith in Nevada, but is Nevada actually Mars? Who knows? That's 2002. A Western Odyssey. Boom. Movie yeah. ruined. Stanley Easy. Kubrick's directing it, so it's great. We don't have to describe why it's Easy. great. Easily. We don't even have to. We don't even have to put actors and actresses because they don't matter. They're not even the main character. The main character is the West. Yeah, we'll just let Hubert worry about the details. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that was 2001, A Space Odyssey. We ruined it uh, by making it a Western. I hope you guys liked that. Uh, for, for next week... Audience. Quit picking remake and sequel. Jesus. <laughs> well, they only have three choices. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, <laughs> uh, next week, we are going to be staying in the sci-fi realm. Uh, we are going to be watching a film that comes out a little... A couple years before uh, 2001 the Space Odyssey. And if you thought 2001 was long at 2 hours and 42 minutes, you were oh, right, because we're going to watch La Jetty, which is 28 minutes long. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Oh, you got me that time. I was yeah. expecting like, <laughs> I, know. I was going to try to worry you about how long we were going to watch it. Um, but anyway, <laughs> we're next week we're going to be watching La Jetty, um, a 1962 science fiction feature directed by one of my favorite uh, directors of all time, Chris Marquier. Um, he is, this is an experimental film that I also think has a lot to, uh, ha, that sci-fi owes a lot to for making science fiction a serious, um, uh, medium of filmmaking. Um, I'm not going to give too much away about it, um, but I'm going to say two things. The images are not going to be moving. That is not a mistake. That is, this is a film that is, uh. Use, uses still images, um, uses photography and narration. Um, you can find this film on YouTube, and you probably can find the HD version on, like, Criterion or something. Um, bonus homework for anyone who follows along at home, also watch 12 Monkeys. Okay. You don't have can to. You... We're not going to... Uh, what? Can you send me the title? Yes, of, I, uh... I will, I'll send it to you. It's uh, La Jete, it means the bridge in French. Okay, I'm um, also going to just DM you really quick, 12 Monkeys, so that I watch that as well. Yeah, that uh, 12 Monkeys is a a film. Watch Lachete first before you watch 12 Monkeys, but 12 Monkeys is an adaption of uh, Lachete, um that has Brad Pitt in it in the 90s. Yeah, that is, I knew that. 
it'll, it'll be an interesting comparison. Um, be, well, it'll be interesting to talk about because we talk about a lot of remakes and stuff in here. And uh, yeah. Legetti into 12 Monkeys is one of the crazier remakes because they're very different, but they're using the same concept. And I think they actually do a pretty good job. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll check it out for sure. So, yeah, next week we're talking, watching Legete. Uh, 28 Hell minutes. Yeah. I'm excited. One of my favorite films of all time. Uh, but that nice. was ruining movies, any everyone. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, for anyone new here or is listening for the first time, this is a live podcast uh, every Tuesday, except the last Tuesday of each month at 6 p.m. Eastern. You can either go to my channel, uh, twitch.tv slash farmgoat, or twitch.tv slash bringtheshane, which is Shane's channel, to watch us live. You can interact with us here. You can tell us our, your opinions. You can tell us what you've been watching. We'll talk about it. It's live. We're doing it live. Um, and yeah, that's it. Uh, Shane, do you have any plugs? I think you just plugged me, bro. I think I did. Go on, <laughs> go, go. Check out Bring the Shane's uh, twitch.tv slash bring the Shane. He's doing a hardcore uh, Minecraft uh, game right now called Shanecraft that is pretty fun to watch. He does yeah. that on Fridays, right? Yes, sir. It's and you can find uh, both of us actually on Mondays, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, doing Dummies Play, where we do co-op games. Uh, we've been currently been playing through the new uh, Sea of Thieves uh, Pirates of the Caribbean expansion, which has been a lot of fun. That's so good. Um, and yeah, uh, obviously, twitch.tv slash farmgoat, check that out. Uh, you can also go to my YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash farmgoatplays. I just hit 100 subscribers, so thank you guys all for that. Um, you can find all of the gameplay for Dummies Play there. You can also see me try to beat Dark Souls um, in a series that I'm doing that's going awful. I also have a Battlefield 4 <laughs> video coming out soon because Battlefield 4 still rules and I wanted to make a video about it because I'm super hyped for the next Battlefield to come out 2042. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that's it. Thank you guys for watching, listening, directly inserting it into your brain through Monolith, however you consume this podcast, you know. <laughs> Hell yeah. Touch the monolith. Yeah. Anyone else? Touch, touch yeah. If, you, that's, if anything you've you. learned from this podcast, if you see a monolith, touch it. Do it. Just touch it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Thank you, awesome Dinkle. Do it. Hmm? All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Be excellent to each other. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.